Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. We continue our State of the Program series. That's right, at The Athletic, we are doing a deep dive on each of the 130 FBS programs, and we'll be highlighting a bunch of those here on the podcast. And right now, we have a big one. This is a program that has been one of the best in the country for the past few years. Five consecutive conference titles. Bunch six of playoff now. appearances. Oh, six. That's right. Jason Kersey, our Oklahoma beat writer, <laughs> six consecutive. Nobody ever counts the 2020 season. So six consecutive <laughs> Big 12 titles, four playoff appearances during that run. Zero playoff wins, though. But, but, big but. This feels like Oklahoma's most complete team of the Lincoln Riley era. Am I wrong, Jason? No, you're not. Not it. It absolutely is the most complete team of the Lincoln Riley era. I think uh, you know. I, I I know there are a lot of people around here, around uh, Norman, who think, who, who who just lament the fact that if they just had a decent defense, an average defense, maybe even a slightly below average defense in 2017 or 2018, they would have snapped that national championship streak. And uh, I I think passable is the word I used. If the defense had been passable in either year. Yeah. Especially 2017. I mean, they were right there with Georgia and, and very well could have beaten that Alabama team. So, but yes, I think this is the most complete team. They, uh, Alex Grinch has improved that defense so significantly in just two years. Uh, you've got to believe it's going to take another jump this year. And then uh, they're deep at all the defensive positions. I mean, in a weird way, I'm almost more confident in saying that the defense will be good this year than the offense. Well, and that's that's the thing. Because I remember talking to Lincoln Riley about a year after he got the job. And his main concern still was they just didn't have the level of defensive linemen that a Clemson had or an Alabama had or an Ohio State had. And and I kept thinking, once they get that, that's when they can beat those teams. Because, you know, it, it's it's just hard to understand until you see, like, that Clemson defensive line that had Christian Wilkins, Dexter Lawrence, Cleveland Furl, Austin Bryant, or Ohio State with, you know, Devon Hamilton in the middle and, and Chase Young or a Bosa brother coming off the edge. Uh, you know, Alabama goes from Deron Payne to Quinnen Williams, like Oklahoma and really nobody else in the country other than those schools and maybe Georgia and LSU just hasn't had that. But Nick Bonito, highest graded PFF returning edge rusher in the country this year. Perrion Winfrey. I, these are guys that do stack up mm-hmm. potentially with the type of people we're talking about. Yeah, and I, you know, as I sit here, I'm trying to remember when the last time we talked about that with an Oklahoma defense, where we could go down the line and say, I mean, does it go back to Teddy Lehman and and uh, those guys? Probably it's not really, that far. I mean, but, Gerald McCoy, but Gerald McCoy, Ger- yeah, Gerald McCoy, maybe that team, uh, the players they had, but uh, but no, I mean, this year you do you look across that line. These are legitimate NFL uh, defensive players, Isaiah Thomas, Perry on Winfrey, Nick Benito, um, e- even in the back end, they're starting to get a lot more talented, uh, you know, in, in the defensive backfield, they go out in the transfer portal, raid that in a way that, that, you know, I think everybody has come to expect Oklahoma to, to at least try to do that, but taking three really good players from Tennessee and, and three players that you look at the need at those three positions, that could be the difference between winning a playoff game and not. 
Well, yeah, and, and I mean, Wanya Morris and Eric Gray are gonna play. Like they're gonna they're gonna play key roles on this team, and that's mm-hmm. that's one of those things that it's it's I guess it's kind of retribution for what happened to them last year, where you know they they lose Trey Sermon, not knowing you know he's he's not realizing that had he stuck around he would have wound up being the number one guy <laughs> at Oklahoma, but he goes to Ohio State where Ohio State clearly needed him. I mean, they needed mm-hmm. him big time in the in the Big Ten championship game, and and the but the transfer portal giveth to them this year with with Eric Gray, who I think adds a lot to that that running back room. Yeah, he. I mean, right now he's got to be considered the favorite to start. I think because you know Kennedy Brooks took a year off. It you know mm-hmm. even in the spring game. You could see that he wasn't his old self. Now I'm not saying he won't be by the fall. He's still but, pretty good, uh, though. Yeah, he'd be all he right. He is. He's a he's a very good player. But but Eric Gray is dynamic. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's very uh, explosive. I mean, he's the he's you you just imagine a guy like that in Lincoln Riley's offense and the things that they can do with that. It's it's kind of scary. And then Wanye Morris. I think you can probably go ahead and pencil him in as the starter at left tackle. Um, and, and then I also think Key Lawrence is going to have a chance to start on on defense at safety. So all three of those guys are going to make a difference. Well, and Key Lawrence is an interesting one because he was down the road with Oklahoma, took an official visit, and just wound up picking Tennessee. So that one was just, hey, I'm out of here. I loved you guys during recruiting. I just didn't pick you. Let's do it. I mean, that's, that's yeah. about as easy a pickup out of the portal as you're going to get. Yeah, and it was. It is crazy that they got those same those three guys all from the same place, but but all three were sort of unique situations, and and they all three fit at Oklahoma. So uh, you know, everybody says that there wasn't this big coordinated effort to bring all three of them over. I you know I don't know. Maybe, maybe there was, maybe there wasn't. But it, it, for each one individually, it made sense to to come to Oklahoma because all three of them are going to have a chance to play. Yeah, it's it's really going to be interesting to see how this all meshes together because we do assume that, that the offense is going to be great, that Spencer Rattler is going to be good, that he's going to have a choice to make after the season about going to the draft because he could be a potential first-round p- pick. Uh, could, could he be Oklahoma's you know, third number one overall in, in five years? Is that is that possible? Uh, we don't know. I mean, that, that that we didn't think Baker Mayfield would be the number one pick this time before that year or Kyler Murray this time before that year. Rattler probably comes in with more hype that direction than than either of those two had. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, remember at this time with with Baker Mayfield, I think the question was, is he an NFL quarterback? I mean, he had yeah. made the decision to come back for that for that 2017 season when he, you know, I think some people thought he might um, go after 16. But with Kyler Murray, uh, the que- the question wasn't really anything about the NFL. It was, oh, he's been drafted by the Oakland A's and he's going to go play baseball. And yeah, uh, I mean, it went yeah. until November of that year that, that the <laughs> NFL really became a possibility. So it's just it, it is crazy how that that goes. But uh, it does feel like the defense is what makes this feel different that, you know, because we, we've seen the, the LSU game is kind of a lasting memory for people of Oklahoma in the playoff. You know, you go to the year before that, if if they don't get stopped by Alabama on the first couple of drives, that's probably a pretty good game. The Rose Bowl mm-hmm. against Georgia was was neck and neck all the way. So it's not like they've been non-competitive in the playoff. They, If they have a, a great offense this year, it does feel like this time they'll have the defense 
to to catch up and you know that's what they hired Alex Grinch for and I remember the first year people are like well, what's what's he doing it, it, it it's not really changing but it was changing they they were awful and they went to slightly below average then average and last year pretty darn good yeah I I mean that people forget the the 2018 season when Mike Stoops got fired I mean they weren't just bad on defense they were they were I I don't even know they abysmal. basically weren't there abysmal yeah. I mean just any any word you can think of to describe it it's it was just awful I I always uh, the the thing I always say that really illustrates it better than anything else I could say is that Kansas scored 40 points on them Kansas scored 40 points on Oklahoma and and I mean, I, I can't remember. It was something like 250, 300 rushing yards. I mean, it was embarrassing uh, for them. And so um, the fact that they've, I mean, last year they were good on defense. And the year before, they were pretty good. I think that LSU game, it's that's the game everybody sort of watched and said, ah, same old LSU Oklahoma. LSU did that to everyone, though. But <laughs> LSU did that to everyone. That was They just came up against a buzzsaw and, and had some young guys in the in the secondary. And, and Joe Burrow and those guys were just unstoppable. But um, they weren't bad that first year either. But but no, I mean, there's every reason to believe that this can be their year because they've they've got a very well rounded team and uh, and yeah, when, and when you've got a guy like Rattler at quarterback, I think you you've always got a shot. Well, and the, the thing is, we're talking about their defense, and we can actually talk about depth, and we can talk about you know talent upgrades, and because you know Caleb Kelly gets hurt last year, he's back. That's a guy who who would have been one of the better players on their defense. Uh, Jalen Redmond opted out. He's back. That's another guy who could be one of the best players on the defense. We'll see how that goes. But that's another one of those defensive linemen that I was talking about where if they play the way that the guys Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson have, this is a team that can play for the national title. Yeah, for the first time, I mean, I, I, my first year on the OU beat was 2012, and I, I would say easily this is the first time that I can sit here and name six or seven defensive linemen, six or seven linebackers that absolutely could start, and I wouldn't be surprised if they started. I don't remember the last time that was the case. It certainly hasn't been since I've been on the beat. I, I think about, um, you know, 20 like I think it was 2014 Frank Shannon was out with a suspension. He was mm-hmm. their leading tackler and there was a walk-on in there playing a lot of times. Um, same thing happened a couple of years ago in Grinch's first year. They had a walk-on playing when Kenneth Murray left the game briefly. So that's just not the case anymore. They have guys, they have dudes at, uh, on defense and, and th- that's, that's been the difference. Let, let's talk about the offense and Rattler. Cause it, it really felt like the season changed after the, they they pull him against Texas and then put him back in yeah. and he leads them to a win. Did, did something change in terms of his confidence or are we reading too much into that particular episode? Was the, the growth happening already or did that kind of shake something loose there? I think it shook something loose because, you know, his second and third starts of his career, he, he lost and 
didn't play well it, really in either game. He threw four interceptions against Kansas State. Uh, and in that Texas game, yeah, he had a fumble and an interception in the first half. And, and Riley pulled him and put Tanner Mordecai in. And uh, it was one of those being there in the moment, like a truly, oh my God, he, he actually pulled Spencer Rattler from the game and let Mordecai play the rest of the first half. And you sort of wondered what they were going to do after halftime. And he let Rattler go back in. And, and you he was a different quarterback after that. I think from that moment on, he only threw two or three more interceptions the rest of the year. Um, they didn't lose again. That was a he actually played extremely well in the second half and overtime of that game. That was a four overtime game, and uh, yeah. without Rattler playing the way he did, they probably don't win that game. So um, I, I, I think it did shake something loose a little bit. Well, and that it, that's what's so interesting to me is, you know, let's say they lose that game, then they've got three Big Twelve losses. The, the season looks like a complete disaster at that point. Yes. It just totally changed everything, him leading that comeback. And then the, the improvement by the, by the end of the season, it's one of those, we, we talk about the playoff expanding. If there'd been a bigger playoff, they're the team nobody wants to play. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I, I've thought a lot about that Texas game. And if they'd lost, if they'd lost that game three losses in a row, I think that would have been the first time since the John Blake era that they've lost three in a row. It's already a COVID season where a couple of your best players have opted out. You probably would have had a bunch of guys opt out. I mean, the season could have completely gone down the drain uh, if they don't come back and win that game. It was it was just a monster, monster moment. Yeah, it, that's one of those I have. A, I feel like if they are on the trajectory, we think they are in terms of overall roster talent. Maybe it's not this year. Maybe it it happens sometime in the next few years, but still it feels like we may be writing about that game down the road as a turning point for the program mm-hmm. or potential turning point because and it's hard because they have been so good. They have been winning the big 12, but a lot of that may be that the big 12 in some of those years just didn't put up enough of a fight this year. I don't know that it matters how good the rest of the big 12 is. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, I think Iowa State's going to have a really, really good team. I, I think there's a chance Texas will be will be better. We'll see. I mean, you never yeah. know. It's so hard to judge um, them. But and and you know, same thing in some other places around the league. But they, I mean, they seem like a a. a this feels like the year, and I. It's crazy, Andy. They have. For as good as they've been for 20 years, they have not won a national championship. And it's, you know, I, I always point out this is the longest they've ever gone between national titles. The Switzer's last one to Stoops first one was five years shorter than this. So wow. um, I think I think fans are getting kind of restless. <laughs> Georgia fans uh, have something to say about that. They, they don't want to hear. <laughs> right. <laughs> You, you've won a national title since the internet was invented? <laughs> Quit <laughs> complaining. So, but no, I, I, I'm, I'm with you though, because Oklahoma, you know, Ohio State and Oklahoma to me are the two programs that, that have just been the most consistent throughout their histories. And uh, Ohio State never has a dip. Oklahoma had a couple, the post-Switzer, basically between Switzer and Stoops, it, you just didn't know kind of what you're going to get. But really, beyond that, they've been consistently great. So yeah. that's the part that, that is, is interesting to me is, is the standard is so high there. And I imagine, you know, a Texas fan can be listening to this and going, 
I can't believe they're complaining about all these Big 12 titles. I can't believe they're 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 whining about you know making the playoff and not winning. I'd give anything to make the playoff. I'd give anything to win the Big 12. But that's just that's just where they're at. I mean, they're they're so far beyond the rest of the Big 12 that really, I mean, and and I think Lincoln has been trying to do that all along is compete with Alabama and Ohio State and, and Clemson. And and just it, it's hard. I mean, one of the things I, I'm curious about from your perspective, you know, when you see something like the Big 12 not having a player drafted until 16 SEC players are already off the board. If you're Lincoln Riley, how hard is it to recruit against that? Because you are recruiting against Alabama and LSU and Georgia for almost all of these guys that you're going for nationally. Yeah. And that's the most important thing to them. Like, you, you know, you can talk about big 12 championships and uh, you know, all the wins that they've had, but getting drafted and getting drafted in the first round is what all these guys want. And so uh, it is, it's really hard to recruit against that. I, I think that was uh that was not a good night for the big 12 and uh, it's going to have to change or, you know, or they're not it, it It's really interesting to look at the numbers. You look at the other playoff teams and what they've put in the NFL versus OU. And it's kind of a miracle that they've, you know, been competitive in some of those games, frankly. I mean, because it's, it's not even close. Yeah. And the thing about OU that with this year's draft specifically, I think it actually does not reflect unfavorably on Oklahoma. Oklahoma has been carrying the big 12 in terms of, of draft picks and draft position with a couple of number one overalls. Uh, the fact that they didn't have that this year just tells you they've got a bunch of talent coming back, but that doesn't help them when they're fighting that perception on the recruiting trail. So is, is it just that, that Lincoln Riley has to have, you know, that level of confidence to say, look, I realize what they're putting out, but look at what we do. You know, look at Orlando Brown. Just get He's going to get a big fat contract uh, with the Chiefs. You know, look at, look at Kyler Murray. Look at, at Baker Mayfield. Look at, look at the, these guys that we've coached who are doing well in the NFL. Yeah. And it, it was important too that, you know, last year they had Kenneth Murray go in the first round. They hadn't had a defensive player go in the first round since Gerald McCoy. And so that happened last year. This year, they, I mean, they weren't necessarily high picks, but they had three defensive players uh, drafted. Ronnie Perkins, you know, goes in the third round, but they have three yep. guys drafted on defense. First time in a decade, they've had three guys drafted on defense. That may not seem like much to Alabama, but they there is proof that they're getting better. They are improving and they're putting more talent in the NFL. And I do think if this year is as good as, it seems like it could be for them. I mean, we could be talking about a good number of NFL draft picks next year for OU. Well, I think that could be a tipping point if that happens because it's really a matter of getting those guys to to believe that they can get there from Oklahoma, and that's going to open the, the doors and open the floodgates because, let's be honest, that looks like a really fun place to play. Like, mm-hmm. if, if you can play in that place and it can put you in a decent – you know, draft position for the NFL, that's a place you're going to pick. It becomes a legitimate option versus Alabama, versus Ohio State, versus Clemson. So that that's the part. Like, like that's where Lincoln Riley can really kind of win because once he's got that in his toolbox in the arsenal, he can say, but you can do that here. And then it comes down to who do you want to play for? 
Right. Because yeah, I mean, there are very few, um, you know, there, there are very few people, let's be honest, that OU legitimately competes and beats Alabama, competes with and beats Alabama for. It happens occasionally, but it doesn't happen that often. And that's not going to change until, until, like you said, until they start showing it on a more consistent basis. Yeah, it, but it does, it does feel like they're headed toward proof of concept. And, you know, I think it'll be interesting because, and I, I know Oklahoma fans are going to just tune this out as soon as I say it because you get frustrated and and I understand that you know you finally got a good thing going but look if Alex Grinch keeps this up he's a head coach so you yeah. got to figure out a way oh, to I, keep it going yeah yeah I think he's gone after this year I I I think that's probably going to happen I mean he the job that he's done has been so good and he's got all the characteristics probably that you want in a, in a head coach I think that I think this will probably be his last year at OU Let's get get it done. Although I th- I do think now they understand the blueprint, they understand what they're looking for, and it, there are defensive coordinators who who figured out how to make things work with a spread offense. And that seemed to be the mystery for years and years: is how do you how do you coach defense? How do you practice defense opposite this kind of offense? Uh, and I, when I say spread, I mean up tempo and and you know the, similar to what what. Mike Leach runs and then all the the different variations going down to, to what Lincoln Riley does. But I mean, they know that now they understand what, what it'll take. So uh, that's the part that, that excites me for them is if, if they can, they just put it together on defense. It it feels like a different world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're that close. I mean, um, it really, it really is unbelievable the the job they've done rebuilding that up, get it, improving the talent, improving the depth. I mean, it, and it hasn't taken as long as maybe I even thought it would. And and now they're, I mean, they're they're a legitimate threat this year. They they have to be considered as such. But but I do think uh, it, it'll be interesting if Grinch is gone, what direction they go with that job. I, I know we're way 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 looking into the future here, yeah. but. Um, I, I, I really do wonder like if one of the young guys on the staff is ready to be a coordinator, I'm, uh, you know, it's, I'm so convinced he's not going to be here after this year that I've already started thinking about that a little bit. But it falls into the good problems to have. And I'm sure that's something Lincoln Riley and, and Joe Castiglione have, have probably talked about because yeah, if, if you can take what they had, what they put on the field in 2017 and 2018 defensively and turn it into one of the better defenses in the country, by 2021, you should be leading your own program. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, totally, totally. I, I, that that 2018 defense. I mean that 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 was. I mean it was one of the worst defenses in the whole country. It just was statistically, and, and you know, watching them, you could tell. I mean, they were just bad. They were just bad, bad, bad. And and that offense was so good. And that was the heartbreaking mm-hmm. thing about that team was. Because I, I remember when Alabama stopped them on the first series of the Orange Bowl. And I was like, that's it. Game's over. Because Alabama's going to score every time they touch the ball, if they want to. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's it just that offense was so talented and so much fun to watch that if it had had, a, you know, a defense on the other side that could help just a little bit, I think, you know, that, that changes everything. I don't, I don't know if they beat the Clemson team that year. I don't know that anybody did. <laughs> you know that that team was so good, yeah. but 
it would have been it would have been fun. And uh, you you know my um, theory about the Rose Bowl. That if if they'd have won the Rose Bowl, they'd have won the national championship. Oh, I I completely agree. I I completely agree that I I think that they would have been able to score a lot yeah, more. Tua, I think Tua in the never first gets half into that game because it's like Oklahoma's winning that game like 28, 20, 23 at halftime. Yeah. So Tua yes. never comes in because Alabama's scoring enough that they're not completely frustrated like they were against Georgia. Well, and then think about all the history that changes. Tua probably transfers instead of Jalen Hurts. All kinds of stuff changes. Oh, yeah. Tua, Tua USC. <laughs> wow. Because I think that's where yeah. I would have gone. Ja- and then Jalen Hurts never comes to Oklahoma. Oh, what? It, it is amazing how, how all of this is so interconnected now, especially with the quarterbacks. Uh, you know, let, let's talk about the rest of the Big 12 a little bit because Iowa State has had success against Oklahoma of late. Kansas State has had success against Oklahoma of late. Uh, that's really it. I mean, Texas, it, the Texas-Oklahoma thing is interesting because Texas plays Oklahoma close for the most part, and then mm-hmm. they wind up not showing up in games that, that they should win. And that that's more their problem than, than playing as Oklahoma, I think. I feel like they play Oklahoma fairly well. They just don't show up when, when they need to in other places. Yeah, but they still need to beat OU. I mean, I think they've lost nine yeah. of the last 12. I'm sure that's high on the list of priorities for, for Sarkeesian, I think, is they, they've got to start beating OU because I, I, I think that's right. I think it's nine of the last 12 that OU's won. And, and then one of those that Texas did win, you know, it didn't even end up mattering because OU goes and beats them in the Big 12 title right. game a few months later. So um, that I, I'm really interested to see what Sark does with that program because you think about it, man, when, when Lincoln got hired, Tom Herman was getting ready. It was, they, they started the same season. They did. It was Lincoln. Yeah. It was Lincoln Riley and Tom. We all thought, Oh, it's going to be this great red it's river. The new, the new coaching war, uh, Bo and Woody. Yeah. Yeah. And it, uh, it wasn't. <laughs> so, no. uh, I, I want that game to mean something again. It's a, it's a great, exciting, awesome matchup, but right now OU's just got it. Well, in the, the the Big Twelve draft issues that we talk about, Texas can help solve that, which I think Quickly. will solve <laughs> a lot of problems for Texas too. Because you know, if you look at the the recruiting rankings, Texas still has the the higher ranked recruiting classes. You know, if yep. they can develop those guys into draft picks, that sort of makes its own gravy. All of a sudden, Texas can compete with OU, can compete for Big Twelve titles. So. Yeah, they they could solve a lot of their own problems by developing their players better. Yeah, they they absolutely could. I mean, there's no reason why they should have you know have that. Ah, I'm stumbling over myself. There's no reason why their draft numbers the last few years should be as bad as they are. But um, but but no, I mean, and then you look around the rest of the league. I mean, Kansas State has some success against OU. Uh, I think I'd be really surprised if they beat OU for a third straight year. But yeah. You know, I guess I guess you never know. But um, Iowa State, to me, seems like the biggest threat uh, to to them, certainly. And uh, with what they're bringing back and what they've added from the portal, I think they're going to be pretty tough. Well, that's the thing. I mean, the fact that we're saying this at all, whether Iowa State actually overcomes Oklahoma and wins a Big 12 title doesn't matter. The fact that we are saying this at all tells you how good of a job Matt Campbell has done at Iowa State, because that's not a program that you would you would mention in the same breath as Oklahoma before he got there. 
I mean, I remember thinking that Paul Rhodes had done an unbelievable job in about 2010, 11. And he had. Beat Oklahoma State. Historically speaking. And yeah, and then now this. I mean, my gosh, who who could have who could have imagined this? But it's I'm I can't believe he's still there, honestly. But well, I think I also think it's pretty cool that he's thing. still there. Yeah, I th- yeah. I think it would have to be the perfect thing, and you know I don't know what the perfect thing is. Is the perfect thing Ohio State because Ryan Day's not going anywhere for a while? Is the and and Luke Fickle might want that job too, being a a Buckeye. You know, is it is it Penn State because I don't think James Franklin's going anywhere. Is it is it is it Michigan because that might open. But I don't, do you want it? I, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I don't know what his his idea of perfect is. And, you know, and it may be that that keeps him there a long time. And and I'm uh, here's my question. Brock Purdy could be there two more years if he wanted to. Yeah. Do, you, do you think Brock Purdy becomes like a fifth year starter in the Big 12? I hope so. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I just I think that'd that, be that's, awesome. That's fascinating to me because he's one that I think Brock Purdy will get paid to be a quarterback in the NFL for a long time. I don't know that that he's going to be a super high draft pick because of his measurables, and I don't know that he's ever really a you know a, a consistent starting quarterback in the NFL. But I feel very confident in saying that that's a guy that will will pick up checks in the NFL for ten years at least once he gets in there. One of those guys that in. 12 years, he st- randomly starts a game for the Detroit Lions because of yeah, an injury. He's on the Chase oh my Daniel God, plan. I forgot about him. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I completely forgot about Brock Purdy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I could or see he, that. Or he, or he Kellen Moore's it and he's an offensive coordinator in the NFL <laughs> like two right. years after he stops playing. So, yeah. I, that, yeah. That's, that's the thing. I, I, I think that makes all the difference for Iowa State just because you know you got that guy. You have fourth-year starting quarterback who you know get, gets the job done. And that everything else kind of revolves around that. You know, Oklahoma's never going to have that because their quarterbacks are so good. <laughs> you know, once once you've played in that offense for a couple of years, if you're draft eligible, you're gone. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, absolutely. I was just thinking, so, so Brock Purdy, you think he's going to be like another Iowa State quarterback, Sage Rosenfels? That's exactly what Sage <laughs> Rosenfels right. was. <laughs> I, I, I hope he's a starting quarterback in the NFL because he's so much fun to watch, and you yeah. know, I love, I love his improv skills, and I, I think that would that will do him well in in the league. Uh, but it's just one of those things that will they appreciate him at draft time? I don't think they will. I think they will. No. He'll find reasons to not like him, and then he'll get picked. See, what what I would hope ideally is he winds up, you know, if he falls, it means he falls and, and gets picked by a good team later in the draft. Like Ian Book going to the Saints this year, I love that. Like, because let's be honest, if things go a certain way, Ian Book could be the Saints starter by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, I I could see I could see that situation for for Purdy as well, totally. But but no, I'm I'm looking forward to see what Iowa State does this year. I mean, this where are they going to be ranked in the preseason? They're going to be ranked pretty high. They'll be in the top ten. Uh, Stewart has them number seven in his post spring. Yeah, I, I think the Big Twelve is just going to be better in general. Uh, I don't know what Sark's going to do at Texas, but you know, it, it feels like it feels like TCU's due for a bounce back. And if they're not, there, there's sure. probably some more questions to ask. But they they've been down for a while. It's it, it's time for them to to hop back up. 
And then Oklahoma State, you know, they, they've been all right, but it feels like they're not quite as good as they have been. They need to – and to, to compete with Oklahoma, they're going to have to be a better. Oklahoma State is best when no one expects anything out of them. Seriously. I mean, m- most years when they've had their best years, nobody saw it coming. And then every time we all think they're going to be top 15, top 10, they end up unranked. I mean, that's that's sort of been the MO up there. So, so w- what I'm saying is maybe they'll be good this year. Yeah, cuz we're not we're not expecting that. And it was last year you, you you look at who they had. You know, they had Tevin Jenkins and Chuba Hubbard and and Tylen Wallace and you know, okay, this yep. is this offense is going to be unstoppable and then but then they had injuries at quarterback. They had a lot of they had stuff. They had to, obviously the, the offseason stuff had to had to be dealt with. But you know, I, I don't right. know. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think they may lie in the weeds a little bit better. And TCU too. TCU is one of those that if they don't if you don't come in with any expectations that that maybe they're going to be there. And then what what'll be interesting is if Baylor can get better because that was a pretty disastrous first year for Dave Aranda. I'm willing to give almost any coach a pass whose first year was was 2020 just because you you don't know what they had to deal with you know as, totally. as a first year coach I, there I couldn't agree more but that said Matt Rule had that team in the Big 12 championship his last year like you you got to be better than that yeah and, and I think they can be I mean they they showed some signs they played OU really tough last year the one game I got to see them um I I, I remember a, I mean they had a couple of good games but yeah I, I'll be interested to see how he does up there as well with Oklahoma State I think it's all going to come down to Spencer Sanders is he a good quarterback or not because we just don't know I think that Shane Ellingworth the backup might end up actually being better than him so that's where I want to see is what well, that, that's uh, what was what interesting they get out that, of that Tulsa game last year because they yeah. had to go with Illingworth and it was like you know what this guy's pretty good like yeah I, I, I this this may be more you're you're right it may be more of a competition than we realize and yeah you know, that's the thing we, we're not talking as much about the quarterbacks in the Big Twelve just because like we don't know exactly who's going to win the job at Texas um, you know, we. There are, there are jobs that are that are up for grabs, but it could be that, that there's some really good ones other than Spencer Sanders and Brock. Or I'm sorry, other than Spencer Rattler and Brock Purdy. And yeah, this the competition does get better, and that's really what the league needs. Is it, is it needs not just Oklahoma being good; it needs other teams playing at a high level, win some non-conference games. I and mean, none of this stuff is rocket science, but that's it's it's time for the big 12 to to assert itself a little bit mm-hmm. yeah yeah n- no doubt about it the big 12 needs to have some success in the playoff the big 12 needs to have you know really good bullsh season showing the, i mean and then they've got to get more players drafted they, they just have to well, i think oklahoma is going to give them a big jump start <laughs> this this coming year with with a lot of those guys that we've talked about on this podcast. And I, again, I'm just excited to see what they are because I think from the outside, there's this perception that Oklahoma is this finesse team with this high powered offense that can't play defense. That was true two years ago. That is not true anymore. And I'm excited to see them play. So that when they start showing the world, this, then we can start saying, all right, what's it going to be like when these guys get to play Alabama 
or Ohio State or Clemson or Georgia or whoever it is because I, I think it's going to be fun. Yeah, I, I totally do. And I think these guys are are pretty confident. I mean, I know that uh, Florida was missing a lot of guys in that Cotton Bowl, but I really do think that that, that game and the way they dominated it um, – really could really did uh, give them a jolt of confidence heading into the off season. So um, yeah. I don't know. I, I know it was Florida's JV team or whatever. Yeah. You can make all the excuses you want. <laughs> getting, getting dominated in a game like that is what it is. And, and the way Oklahoma dominated that game was very impressive. So I, I do think they, they can use that as a building block, but I just, I think they probably knew that already. I think they knew what they were at that point. And like I said, if, if the, the bigger playoff that we expect is coming was in place, that's the team, that Oklahoma team at the end of last year was the one that absolutely no one would have wanted to draw. So uh, this is yeah, this is and, what, and I remember, I'm sorry, I remember uh, your boy Ari Wasserman was making the argument that they should be anyway, the fourth team in the playoff. I remember yeah. that. It's not, it's, it wasn't a terrible, I, I always think that hottest team at the year would be fun to have in the playoff. And the problem is with the four team, you just you're never going to be able to get that team in there. But you probably can in an eight team or a ten team or a twelve team, whatever they're going to. I think you probably can, and I think that makes things interesting. And I, I know that's of no that's no solace for for 2020 Oklahoma or 2012 Texas A and M or 2007 Georgia. But I mean, it will be interesting when that first time that happens because that's a team. You know, a team like that could be like a seven seed that just buzzsaws its way through the playoff. And yeah, it, if they do that, are they not the best team? Yeah, I mean, the, you're talking about like what the Giants, the couple of years they won the Super mm -hmm. Bowl. I mean, that's exactly what they were. So yeah, you uh, still beat but, all those really that, good teams to do it. <laughs> right, but that's the argument against it, right? Is that oh, the regular season matters more, or whatever? Which I mean, I roll my eyes at that, but I also kind of get it, I guess, a little bit. But It was pretty fun yeah. when David Tyree caught that ball off his helmet. It was pretty fun. I did enjoy that that game. I must Pretty admit. fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Jason Kersey, thank you so much. We look forward to reading everything you had to write about Oklahoma and, uh, and of course, uh, One True Pod. Yes. You had to fill in for me last year. One because, I, I did. Yeah, we were in the middle of a historic ice storm and I had no internet. So I am always here when you have an ice storm as long as you can fill in on this show when I have a hurricane. You got it. Deal. All right. Thank you, Jason.